Diabetes Revolution podcast with Dr. Sarah Townley, the type 2 diabetes coach, clinical pharmacist, and mom of six angels. You don't have to struggle and fight with your blood sugars for the rest of your life. I'm here to teach you the skills you need to control and even reverse this disease. There is such a thing as getting off your meds and creating a future free from diabetes. And you can have it too. Let's get down to business. Okay, you all. I know I haven't been consistent lately, but I'm just going to tell you what. It's my kid's fault. (laughs) Just kidding. I laugh that every time something is not going well, I just blame it on my kids. You guys know I have six kids. Like The oldest is 13. Definitely, they are causing problems. Um, no, I've just been inconsistent because that's what I feel like doing right now. And I know you guys love me anyway and are happy when I post an episode anyway. So that's how I'm going to do it from now on until I get, you know, I mean, it could be that I'm just like super consistent here and sometimes I might take a little break, but I'm giving myself permission, you guys, to do what pleases me. And really, that's what I want you to do for yourself too. You know, put your desires and your priorities first. And if that means that you want to spend more time nurturing your relationships or taking care of your body or focusing on self-care and whatever it is that brings you joy, like by all means, please do that. Today, I'm inspired to speak to you about something that I haven't quite gotten super clear on in my head, but I've had some time to roll it around and even verbalize it with one of my newest clients. I had a client come to me, you guys, who was interested in doing a plant-based, like a whole food plant-based diet. What does that even mean? It just means no animal products and no refined carbohydrates. Um, And so most of the diet is composed of starches and fruits and grains and vegetables that are all in their whole food form mostly. And it's really fun because I actually experimented with this diet in the month of April. I'm one of those people who is just insatiably curious, okay? I love to immerse myself in cognitive dissonance. (laughs) Sounds really weird, but (laughs) I just really enjoy it. I enjoy going to the other side of the field and finding out how those people think. Knowing that there's probably going to be some attributes and some truth to what that other camp is espousing is the truth. And so that's what I've been doing. And it's really fascinating to me that I attracted a client into my orbit at the time that I was playing with that who was really interested in exploring that sort of lifestyle as the solution to her diabetes. And so I've been in it. For the last, I would say, six weeks. And it's just been getting more hot and heavy as I've been looking into research and connecting with people who follow this kind of lifestyle and then actually living from that lifestyle in my day-to-day life. I learned a ton um, from that experience. And I wanted to bring to you some of the wisdom that I gained from that in this podcast today because You know, the truth is, is there are a lot of common areas and a lot of um, truth to both sides that we can learn from and create for us what works. And so that allows us to do what's best for us and try some different things out and find out what 
you know, suits our lifestyle best? What our body responds to well? And as I've said before, there are there's more than one way to do this. There are many different diets out there who um, that have been demonstrated even in a scientific setting to produce the desired outcome, which most people on this podcast are looking for, which is a future, a lifetime free from type 2 diabetes, free from insulin resistance, and of course, free from the medications. Now, if you don't have a background in understanding the disease process of insulin resistance, it's going to be confusing for you probably in, at many times to be listening to this episode. So I encourage you to go back and listen to the very second episode that I posted. It's called What is Happening in My Body? And it's an overview of the disease process of type 2 diabetes. Now, Mastering Diabetes is a program out there that some of you may or may not have heard of, but it's the most well-known and the most branded um, approach that is taking the whole food plant-based, like no animal products, right, um, approach to reversing type 2 diabetes. But there are other, you know, people out there that I just am not familiar with because this is not an area that I've spent a lot of time in. But I know the starch solution is is one that many people have read the book or heard of. But there are some of you out there who are coming to this approach that I'm teaching Um you know, using a insulin lowering diet, which is going to be a low carb, high fat, intermittent fasting. Those are the major strategies that I teach to lower insulin in order to reverse insulin resistance and liberate stored body fat, especially in the places that are causing metabolic disease. And so if that is already confusing to you, it's going to be really important for you to go back and listen to that second episode of this podcast series in the Diabetes Revolution podcast so that you can build on that knowledge to understand what it is I'm talking about. Now, you may have heard of this Mastering Diabetes program out there, and you may not have. It doesn't really matter, okay? What really matters is that you know that there are going to be more than one types of programs out there, more than one approach to reversing type 2 diabetes, and that they they do espouse some very, very different concepts or philosophies around what is causing type 2 diabetes. Now, to me, that's really important to get clear on, because the way I feel about it is, in order to understand the solution to a problem, it's really important for you to understand what's causing the problem the source of the problem, like what has gone wrong. And I use the example of, you know, your car not starting or not running properly to illustrate this. Like if you had a problem with your vehicle not running, you would need to take it to a mechanic if you don't know how to do this yourself, right? Or even if you do know how to do this yourself. Whoever it is that determines what needs to be done to fix it will very much need to understand what is broken, (laughs) right? Like if it's you or if it's the mechanic, like you need to be able to identify what has broke, gone wrong or what's broke inside of the vehicle in order for you to figure out how to repair it. And it's the same, in my opinion, with the body. We need to understand the process that has gone awry in order to be able to correct it. And again, the body is incredible, It is designed to heal. If you support that process, it will heal itself. And understanding how to support it is really what I'm most interested in, 
right? But it always is going to tie back to understanding what's gone wrong. And there's two camps out there that I have spent a lot of time on trying to understand or explore. There's the first camp, which I primarily teach. And that is simply that eating a diet that is rich in sugar and flour drives a process in the liver where you max out your fat storage all over your body, your under the skin fat storage locations, and then your liver is forced to store fat inside of itself and in other organs and in your skeletal muscle. This causes insulin resistance. Insulin is going to be overproduced by your pancreas in order to shove more incoming nutrients into um, the, the storage locations that have already been filled, okay? And that is a process that drives itself. Higher resistance means higher insulin levels, which drives higher insulin resistance, which then drives higher insulin levels, and it's a process that drives itself. Insulin causes insulin resistance, right? High insulin, hyperinsulinemia is driving insulin resistance, and the entire time you're in fat storage mode, you are storing body fat. This process continues until the pancreas fails, and you see those high blood sugars shoot up. And then you get symptomatic, you get diagnosed, and usually you're started on medication and told that you have a chronic progressive disease that has no cure and that you're going to have to struggle with it for the rest of your life and that the goal is simply to control your blood sugars. I am not in agreement with with that approach. I believe that there is this is a continuum and that at any point in time you can heal your body, you can reverse the process. And so that's what I teach. Now there's a second camp out there. And this is this camp that when I say mastering diabetes or a program that's similar to that, this is what I'm talking about. They postulate that the true cause of insulin resistance is dietary fat, lipids in the diet. Okay. They claim that the food you eat that contains fat no matter what the source is, plants, animals, trans fats, doesn't matter, that this fat is brought into the body through the gut and then directly causes fatty liver and causes something called intramyocellular fat. That means fat inside of the muscle cell, fat inside of other cells in your body. Okay, This fat, they claim, is sometimes spilling out into the spaces between the cells. And the fat in the cell and outside of the cell is actually gumming up the process of insulin binding to the receptor. Okay, so it's a, a over, you know, too much lipid inside and around the cell is actually causing the insulin resistance at the skeletal muscle level. And then fat inside the liver that's coming straight from the diet is causing fatty liver And this is what drives excessive insulin production, hyperinsulinemia, further compounding insulin resistance. And then they say that there's inflammation going on that drives insulin resistance because of the fat that's spilling out, right? And then in that process, eventually the pancreas, the beta cell that makes insulin in the pancreas becomes overstressed and the cell's commit suicide. They call that 
apoptosis, that's the scientific word for cellular death, and that the process of stress and inflammation that is driving the insulin resistance is causing the pancreatic beta cell to commit suicide, okay? And then then your pancreas fails, then your blood sugar goes up, then you know you have diabetes. So there are actually truths to both of these, okay? And I love that. I love it that we can take from both sides, and that we can look at how they're common and look at how both of them are true and then use both of these philosophies or methods, you know, to understand how to craft a solution that will work for us. And that also jives with our preferences, okay? Because the only plan that's really gonna work for you is the one that's sustainable. And that means that it's going to need to fit your preferences and the way you live your life. For me, I got six kids and a husband, okay? And I travel a lot. I'm at a lot of people's houses. I like convenience. I do like to cook, but not all the time. So I have some preferences that really make certain types of lifestyles more assimilate, like I can assimilate them better than other types. And every one of us has that. And so it's going to be important to understand what components of both of these approaches are going to help you craft a lifestyle that fits your life so that you can keep doing it and keep being diabetes free. Now, I have spent some time hanging out with researchers, reading a bunch of primary literature that's been publishing the actual direct research that's being done to investigate the pathophysiology or the process of disease of type 2 diabetes. And I've been doing it in both camps, okay? And I've learned so much. It's just been, and then I've lived it, right? And I've learned from that experience too. And so I want to share what I see to be useful and helpful and probably true about the differing approach of mastering diabetes to what I normally teach. And we can use that information to get smarter and stronger. Okay, so remember, we're talking about a diet that is very, very different from the diet that I have traditionally taught and still follow myself. Okay, so If I follow a low-carb, high-fat diet with intermittent fasting, and I teach that to my clients, and it yields amazing results, right? Whatever. Um, I've been looking at the complete opposite type of diet. We're talking high-carbohydrate, very low-fat diet. This looks like eating primarily grains, right? Like quinoa and rice and oatmeal, things like that, plus tons of fruit. I I mean, tons of fruit. (laughs) The sugariest kinds of fruits like mangoes and pineapples, okay? Plus vegetables, starchy vegetables included. So that's going to look like potatoes and sweet potatoes and corn and beets and carrots and plus all the leafy green vegetables that grow above the ground that are very, you know, low, I guess, in carbohydrates. Okay, so what they say is that you need to be keeping your fat content less than 10% of your total diet intake, your total caloric intake. That's very low. And also very low protein. So not a lot of protein is coming in with this diet. It's almost all carbohydrates. And it can be hundreds of grams of carbohydrates from whole foods every single day. This is the complete opposite 
of what I normally teach, okay? And it's based on the idea that fat is actually what is causing fatty liver. Fat is causing fat to build up inside the muscle cell and spill out. And fat is what is causing insulin resistance. And you know what? For a lot of people, this works, okay? Understanding diabetes and insulin resistance this way leads them to craft a lifestyle that almost entirely eliminates fat from the diet and subsists wholly on carbohydrates because there's not a lot of protein either. People can see weight loss and they can see reversal of insulin resistance. And what's really interesting is on this diet, they use this same diet for people who have type 1 diabetes. Both the founders of this program have type 1 diabetes, And they use this diet to help people who take insulin because they're insulin deficient. They have type 1 diabetes. They have not enough. They have no insulin production. The opposite from type 2, which is too much insulin production, right? They're using this diet in people with type 1 diabetes on insulin to to optimize their insulin sensitivity. So these type 1s following this diet are seeing a massive increase in carbohydrate consumption. And then at the same time, they're seeing a lowering of their insulin requirement. And that reflects that these people have become more insulin sensitive. Now, these are people who don't have insulin resistance. Okay, They are very sensitive to insulin by and large compared to a type 2, but they're able to increase their sensitivity dramatically so that They're eating more carbs, but using less insulin. It's very interesting, okay? And I've looked for an explanation of how this is happening at the cellular level, and I haven't been able to unearth one. If you know of one, please send it to me. But I'm just guessing that the body is a freaking miracle, okay? (laughs) The human body is incredibly intelligent and incredibly adaptive, and it sees that when all your calories are coming from glucose, you better figure out how to use it. And it makes some adjustments at the cellular level in order to optimize energy consumption from that caloric source. Okay, so when we understand that this diet is high carb, low fat, and very low protein, okay, this is the opposite of what I normally teach. What's up with that? Okay, so the biggest inconsistency or the missing piece that I see with the approach of a high-carb, low-fat diet to reverse type 2 diabetes is based in their understanding of the mechanism of insulin resistance. So in their theory, they touch back to what many medical providers have learned is happening in the body, and it's called the insulin lock and key theory, where insulin is not fitting in the receptor on the cell properly. And this does not allow insulin to have its effect of opening the doors on the surface of the cell to allow or usher in glucose. Glucose remains on the outside of the cell, unable to get into the cell, and it's because insulin is the key and it is not fitting in the lock, which is the receptor on the cell properly. What's really interesting is that we actually have no evidence to show that there's any structural dysfunction happening with either insulin, the hormone, the chemical you know, molecule of insulin, 
or the lock, that receptor, and the two apparently not fitting into one another properly being the cause of insulin resistance isn't consistent with any kind of research that's been shown to say that they're not fitting in properly with one another. And that aside, let's talk about how there's this inconsistency in the body in how this theory would be applied. What I mean is that if we know that there's systemic insulin resistance, insulin is not having its intended action all over the body, which has become resistant to insulin and is now insulin resistant, right? Why is it that other parts of the body apparently seem to be hypersensitive, okay? And the case in point being the liver. So one of the actions of the liver is to store excess nutrition, excess food energy in the form of glycogen and body fat, okay? And so if if insulin is the signal that tells the liver to do that, why is it that the liver seems to be hypersensitive to insulin for that function in a person who has insulin resistance, right? We see much higher rate of something called de novo lipogenesis, DNL, which means the creation of fat from glucose or proteins, doesn't doesn't matter which, it's just the creation of new fat, new triglycerides and new fat from excess carbohydrate and protein energy. And in people who have insulin resistance, we see an uptick in this. This is abnormally high. We're having a higher rate of DNL happening and more fat being stored in the liver than in a person who does not have insulin resistance. I find that really interesting and useful to note, okay? So the the liver is hypersensitive to the action of insulin when it comes to the creation of new fat that ends up being stored inside the body as body fat. And it can be stored under the skin or stored inside of the organs, which is where we see the development of insulin resistance and metabolic dysfunction, like the liver is becoming fat, right? Non-alcoholic fatty liver disease always precedes insulin resistance at a systemic level. So when you go into Mastering Diabetes content, which is prolific, they have a podcast, they have books, they have website, they have courses you can take, they have a coaching program. When you ask that question of like, how are you saying that fatty liver is being caused by dietary fat and not from carbohydrates and from overconsumption of carbohydrates and protein? They say they cite research that shows excessive overfeeding of carbs in healthy men and that there was not a lot of fat com- that was created from the overfeeding of carbs. They were able to actually trace the carbohydrates that they overfed with and showed where it ended up in the body. And they did not see a lot of de novo lipogenesis and fat deposition in the liver with massive overfeeding, okay? And why this is problematic is that they're doing it in healthy men who are not obese, who do not have insulin resistance, okay? This research is citing a, a subject pool of people who are otherwise very healthy. And that's not what's happening in people who have type 2 diabetes, okay? People who have type 2 diabetes have reached something that is called their fat threshold, their body fat threshold. This is a really important 
a piece of understanding the disease process of insulin resistance. So your fat is responsible for make your liver is responsible for making fat from extra energy that you're consuming in your diet and shipping it out to be stored. It's supposed to do that in subcutaneous fat storage locations. So that means under the skin, right? Like on your butt, your thighs, your under your arms, your chin, like all those places that we love to jiggle, <laughs> that we can grab and jiggle, right? Those are safe locations and that are meant to house extra body fat. What happens is that we all have a threshold for how much we can store. It's very interesting. So this is genetic. It's pre-programmed by our genes, how much body fat we can store under the skin. And it's really interesting when you look at races of people because Asian people have, they develop metabolic disease even within the normal BMI, okay? And that's because genetically they don't accommodate extra nutrition by making subcutaneous body fat to the extent that other races do, like Latinos and African-Americans and Caucasians. Like some people, have you ever noticed, some people can store like hundreds of pounds of body fat and never develop diabetes? Like why is that? Well, it's because their body is able to make a lot of subcutaneous body fat. In fact, their cells are not just getting full. They're fat cells, adipocytes are not just getting full of fat, they're actually dividing and they're making more fat cells. And this allows them to continue to store more and more and more body fat under the skin. Okay. Now we all have a threshold. And when we reach that threshold, even if it's not very high, some of us see, you know, um, visceral body fat and metabolic disease and diabetes, you know, with a lot less body fat under the skin than the next person, right? We call those tofies, thin on the outside, fat on the inside. So what happens is, is when you reach that threshold, your liver now has to figure out where to put all of that fat it's making in that de novo lipogenesis process, right? Overconsumption of nutrients, the liver is trying to do something with that. And what it does is it's packaging it up into fat, sending it to locations all over the body to be stored under the skin. But when it reaches, when we reach the threshold for our maximum capacity for that, the liver is going to begin to store that fat in places it's not supposed to be stored. That's inside of itself, right? That's how we get the fatty liver. Inside the pancreas, that's how we get fatty pancreas. Inside of your skeletal muscle, right? That's where you get fat and inside of the muscle. It's not supposed to be there. And this is where I really like how Mastering Diabetes explains things because they point out that it's fat being stored inside the muscle cell. They call it intramyocellular fat that interferes with the ability of insulin to have its intended action, okay? And they also describe this process where the fat is spilling out into the spaces between the cells. And it's like an oil spill, right? And that is interfering with the action of insulin, right? It's physically gumming up the, the spaces between the cells. And it's causing inflammation. Our immune system is now responding to those places, trying to clean up the spill and causing a lot of collateral damage in the process. We're getting chronic inflammation, which causes insulin resistance. And then it's also 
causing the pancreas to sustain damage to healthy tissue. And this fat in the way and inflammatory fat in the pancreas is ultimately what causes failure of the beta cell to produce enough insulin to overcome the resistance that has mounted. Okay. And so that's why I love these two different explanations is they emphasize different parts of the disease process that all fit together and do have their own truth. But the cause of that is the biggest difference, right? Is it dietary fat or is it dietary refined carbohydrates? Okay, like flour and sugar. Which one is it? And I just want to offer to you that I believe it is the the refined carbohydrates because I believe that a lot of this is happening through the process of de novo lipogenesis, right? I've consulted with many different resources and the consensus in general is that there is a lot in people who have insulin resistance and obese people who have reached their fat threshold, there is a lot of de novo lipogenesis that is happening that mastering diabetes and their, and their cohorts deny, Okay, but the evidence is very clear. There's an uptick, especially when you are looking at the type of carbohydrate that is being overconsumed. We know that fructose, right, the type of sugar found in fruit, and it's also added into a lot of foods. You've heard of high fructose corn syrup. Well, high fructose corn syrup has more fructose in it, but it's not very much in comparison to table sugar. High fructose corn syrup is 55% fructose, 45% glucose. Table sugar or sucrose is half and half, okay? So there's a lot of fructose coming in with table sugar as well. And fructose, the only organ that can process that is the liver. And we have seen that people who consume a lot of fructose in their diet see a much higher uh, yield of fat creation through de novo lipogenesis than people who aren't just, you know, eating um, other types of sugars or eating starches primarily. Okay. And so that is a really important distinction that we need to understand. And I haven't seen anything in, you know, the high carb, low fat world that directly addresses that. They just ask you to eliminate all refined carbohydrates. And so that brings me to my next point in this for this podcast, which is, well, you know, what do they all have in common? I think that that is really valuable to look at. Like, how can we use both theories to craft a lifestyle that's going to work for us? So what do they all share? They share a, you know, similar things in the pathophysiology, but they also share strategies that there's quite a bit in common here. We're looking for weight loss. Okay, the bottom line is that overconsumption of energy is the primary problem no matter what camp you belong to. Okay, your body is very intelligent. It is going to figure out how to thrive and drive all of those cellular processes with whatever food that you are able to eat in your environment. Okay, so if you're living and eating, if you're living in an environment and subsisting primarily on carbohydrates, your body is going to find a way to thrive on that diet. And conversely, if you are, you know, thriving in an environment or living in an environment where most of your energy is coming from animals, right? Like hunting, if you think of that, then your body's going to figure out how to thrive on that. And when you overconsume, you open yourself up to this necessary process of 
energy storage, right? And that energy storage, no matter where you think it's coming from, is what is causing the dysfunction, the metabolic dysfunction in the body. And so both camps agree overconsumption of food is the primary problem. Whether you are doing it with carbs or you're doing it with fat, it doesn't matter. Um, Overeating is the first thing that needs to be addressed. The next thing that they also commonly see is that weight loss is going to drive healing in the body. So whatever strategy you decide to use, you're going to be looking for weight loss as a surrogate marker for the reversal of insulin resistance because liberating all of that fat storage, right, from the ectopic sites, the places it's not supposed to be, your skeletal muscle, your liver, your pancreas, like that's required to reverse insulin resistance. And the body is very intelligent. It knows that it needs to liberate fat from those ectopic sites as a priority over your subcutaneous fat. Even a small amount of ectopic fat, you know, removal is going to show up in your fasting insulin level, in your fasting blood glucose level. Okay, so they they definitely agree on that. They also agree on some other things, specifically with your diet. They agree that refined carbohydrates need to be removed, right? This looks like any form of sugar, any form of flour, anything that's Removing the fiber and concentrating the carbohydrate has got to go, okay? They also agree that you're going to want to eliminate ultra-processed foods. Anything that is pre-packaged and pre-made for ready consumption is going to contain toxic oils and probably nutrients that are not going to support healing very well. They want you to remove, both sides want you to remove any kind of Toxic oil, pre-packaged, pre-made foods, ultra-processed foods. And they both promote intermittent fasting, okay? Periods of time that allow you to access your body fat and, you know, primarily use body fat as fuel. When you're in a fasted state, you're not eating, right? So you've got to get your energy from your stores. And fasting is a state that allows you to spend more time doing that. There's a very big imbalance in most Americans diets where they're eating more of the day than they're fasting. And this imbalance is leading them to be in fat storage mode more often than they are in fat burning mode. It's just a slow recipe for weight gain and fat accumulation, right? And so both camps are going to support allowing your body to fast for longer periods of time. And I teach that to begin as time-restricted eating. You can go back and listen to the podcasts that have to do with why fasting works and the practical tips to apply fasting in your life. So the last thing I want to wrap up this podcast with is just remembering that even though diet is definitely the biggest influencer of the development of insulin resistance and going to be the biggest strategy to reversing insulin resistance, no dietary strategy is going to address some of the other influences that are driving insulin resistance in most of our bodies. And so those things look like, you know, stress, okay? It could be physical or emotional stress. So pain is a type of physical stress. Um, Emotional stress would be, you know, 
that fight or flight, that survival mode. I have a whole podcast on how to manage your stress and why it's so important to reversing diabetes. Uh, For many of us, stress has been a big player in the development of our diabetes. And so managing that is going to be in addition to whatever dietary strategy that you are using. The other one is sleep. Our modern environment is for a lot of us causing us to have you know, inadequate amounts of sleep, not very restful sleep. Um, and so getting good quality sleep is super important because that's when your body is healing, right? That is when you are regulating your hormones and you are burning fat and you are resting. Like this is very important for your body to be able to heal. And then the last thing I want to mention is, Again, you know, overeating those behavioral habits and those thought processes that lead us to overconsume food no matter what is on our diet, even when it's healthy food, you guys. Like how many times have you, you know, justified overeating because the food is actually on plan, like it's healthy food. Like overconsumption is going to be a very important to address and that comes down to our behaviors, right? Our thoughts that drive us to feel a certain way that cause us to take the action of overeating. And that's what coaching is really for, is to help you apply and stick to your own strategy, your own lifestyle plan, so that you can see the results. You can actually test and measure how your body responds to that particular intervention, that particular dietary intervention. And so that's what I mostly do with my clients beyond teaching them the strategies and tools, right, is learning how to consistently apply and learning how to discover how you've been using food that is not serving you anymore, is not going to serve you in creating a future that does not include high blood sugars and struggling with your diabetes and taking lots of medications. All right, I hope that you guys got a lot out of this. I had a lot of fun learning and comparing and sorting through, even though it was actually a a lot of energy it required for me to do that, concentration, focus, and research, and reading, and learning. I love doing that for you. I love doing it for me. I'm a person who really likes to understand the why behind what it is I'm doing. I respect and admire the person who can just do it without understanding why, (laughs) but when I understand why I'm doing something, it creates meaning and purpose behind the actions that I'm taking, and that means I'm going to be doing it more consistently and more deliberately in order to see whether or not this experiment that I'm doing is going to work. And remember, that's what coaching is for. It's for allowing yourself to take more consistent action in a way that feels good to you so that it's sustainable over your lifetime. And if you have any questions or want to know more about how to work with me, I want you to go to my website, sarahtownley.com and hit me up. I will see you on the next episode. High five for tuning in with me today. You are getting smarter and stronger when you show up for yourself this way. You can get more free tools to help you control type 2 diabetes on my website, sarahtownley.com. And if you're serious about ending your struggle with diabetes, join my membership, The Diabetes Revolution, where you work with me in a community of people just like you. See you on the next episode.